good Saturday evening, everyone. Uh, just wanted to come to you. Um, you know, things a lot of things have been going on here lately. I haven't had the chance to really publish the content that I've really been aiming towards and what I've been telling you guys I've been going to do. Um, but this one here that we're going to uh, talk about this evening is uh, some frequently asked questions. You know, I know you guys have some questions about, um, you know, how we detect certain things um, as a forecaster, what goes into that, and um, just general questions, you know, that I can answer for you guys today. I'm going to do so. Um, you know, my goal was never to be the biggest when it comes to, you know, spreading the word, getting alerts out there. It was just, I want to be one of the best at relaying this information to you guys to where you can understand it and really break it down to you. So we're going to do a little bit of that today. Um, and these are going to be more towards the line of some basic questions, you know, maybe may answer a few more uh, complex things as well. Um, as we take a look here, and not only am I going to answer some of your questions, I'm going to answer some of the more frequently asked questions when it comes to um, what you see and hear asked a lot of from meteorologists and the National Weather Service and things like that. Um, you know, so one of the first things um, that I see is, um, you know, a lot of people have questions, and I've been asked this as well. Um, you know, we're going to hop right into, um, you know, tornadoes. Um, you know, what is a tornado watch? You know, a lot of you guys, and understandably so, uh, are not sure on the difference between a watch and a warning. So when we're talking about a tornado watch, um, you know, uh, the National Weather Service actually defines this as a cluster of counties um, where tornado and other kinds of severe weather are possible in a certain time frame. Uh, typically, it goes for a handful of hours. Um, now, this by no means uh, is saying that a tornado was ongoing. It's just telling you, you need to be ready, you need to be alert, and, uh, you know, and have a nowhere to go, uh, have a safe shelter and uh, ready uh, if a tornado warning is issued. So basically, to break that down for you, a tornado watch is basically saying, hey, look, conditions are favorable, conditions are ripe for a tornado to occur. Now, one is not happening at this moment in time, but it very well could is basically what that means. And then you get to the next question. Well, you know, what is a tornado warning? Uh, a tornado warning is, it's, it's, it can mean two things, really. Um, the first being, uh, they call it Doppler indicated, meaning that it's uh, radar has scanned this storm uh, and has found that this storm is rotating enough, which can spawn a tornado. Doppler indicated does not mean that one is on the ground. It means there is a very good chance that one could form in the next several minutes. So 
as opposed to the other meaning that a tornado has been spotted. That's when you have your storm chasers, your storm spotters, and local reports, you know, things that you send into the National Weather Service yourself. Um, you know, that can help say, hey, a tornado has been spotted. It's on the ground. This is dangerous, life-threatening. Take shelter immediately. But nonetheless, guys, if a tornado warning is issued, no matter if it is Doppler indicated or if it is um, spotted, take shelter immediately. I mean, it's one of those situations that it's better safe than sorry. Um, you know, I mean, I would rather you take shelter for 15, 30 minutes and nothing happen and, you know, and everyone be okay then you saying, okay, hey, this is just radar indicated, None's, nothing's happening, you know, whatever, and then one actually hits your home. Um, you know, I would rather essentially waste 30 minutes of your time uh, knowing that you are safe and you're in shelter than I would you saying, hey, this is no big deal, nothing's happening, yada, yada. Um now, uh, some of uh, the things that I hear as well is a lot of people, um, they want to go, uh, if you're driving and you see a tornado and a lot of people want to, um, you know, they want to go under a bridge, under an underpass, uh, which is a terrible idea. Uh, because if you think about it, um, you know, out in uh, Southern California, you have something ha that happens uh, yearly called the uh, Santa Ana winds. And, uh, and through some of these bigger cities, you have these big, tall, like skyscraper buildings. I mean, they're huge and they're pretty close together. And now when the Santa Ana winds blow, which can be really, really strong, and when they blow between two of those buildings that are really tall, but they're really close by, um, it amplifies those winds. So basically meaning that you could have 50 mile per hour wind blowing, but it's going to feel a lot stronger. It could be hurricane force winds. Like, you know, it's, it amplifies it. And the same thing happens underneath an overpass under a bridge. And, um, you know, they can accelerate, they can get stronger, uh, when forced into tight spaces. This is called the Bernoulli effect. Um, so never take shelter underneath an underpass. I've seen so many videos, the 1999 uh, El Reno, Oklahoma tornado. I've seen videos of people taking cover underneath an underpass, and they got extremely lucky. Guys, I'm telling you, extremely lucky that that tornado did not just suck them right out. Um, so never do that. It is best to find a ditch. As crazy as it sounds, a ditch. Uh, go lay flat in a ditch because, you know, when you're lying flat on the ground, there is nothing between you and the ground. There's no space between you and the ground for the tornado to, to, to suck you out. And if you're lying flat in a ditch, it's a little bit harder for that tornado, uh, theoretically speaking, to grab you out from that ditch when you're lying flat. Um... Now, another thing that you guys have asked me, though, is uh, what direction does a tornado move? Because a lot of times, um, you know, you always hear, oh, well, a certain corner of your house, you're safer. No, that is another myth. What you need in the event of a tornado or even, you know, um, 
uh, any kind of a, you know, a strong wind event, especially a tornado, you want to be in the centermost part of your house. The more walls surrounding you, the better. The interior walls tend to be stronger. Uh, you're putting more layers between you, um, which significantly decreases the risk of, uh, you know, getting hurt or being killed by a tornado. Um, you know, so, you know, if you don't have a basement, the interior most room of your house. Uh, if you have a tornado shelter, go to your tornado shelter every time. Um, you know, uh, you know, mobile homes, get out. Get out, go to a neighbor's home. Um, on severe weather days, have a place to go to, you know. Um, sometimes a community uh, tornado shelters, schools, uh, things like that is a wonderful thing as well. Um, you know, uh, you know, another thing you guys have asked me as well, how do you detect rotation? You know, of course you can see on radar, um, you know, precipitation like, um, rain and, and even hailstones. Um, you know, you can detect that because it reflects, you know, the radar beam, you know, um, and when we're detecting rotation, rotation you send out the you know those radar beams and they reflect into the clouds and basically when you're looking at um when you're looking at a radar traditionally you see reds and greens when you see uh, the velocity scans and the velocity scans is what we use to detect rotation um typically reds move away from radar site greens move toward um you know, and it's different every time you go to a different radar site because, you know, uh, the storms, say for example, uh, you got a radar site in Louisville, you got a radar site in Jackson, Kentucky as well. So if the storms are between Louisville and Jackson, you know, you're going to see, you know, if you're on your Jackson radar site, you're going to see a lot of that movement, um, you know, with the colors moving towards the Jackson side as opposed to Louisville be moving away. Um, now, another thing to keep in mind, as you guys know, there is a curvature with, with, with Earth. And um, now with that curvature, uh, radars, they shoot a straight line beam. Typically, when you're taking a look at radars, you have, uh, you can look at them at different heights of the atmosphere, like half a degree, a degree, a degree and a half. Um, so radar does not reach the surface. That's why when we issue tornado warnings, you get a lot of these Doppler radar indicated, um, meaning that the further away you are from the radar site, um, I mean, that's even further up in the atmosphere that uh, is the minimum that you can see. Uh, and I explained this in a Facebook post not too long ago. Say, if we take the Jackson radar site, which is the one that, um, you know, can see, you know, the London, Laurel County and surrounding areas probably better uh, than the Louisville site. Um, so the further you are away from that Jackson site, remember the earth is curved and we're sending out a beam uh, from that site. So the further you get away from that site, that beam naturally is further away from the surface of the earth, meaning there's a lot that we miss underneath there, and all we can really detect is that rotation. 
So when we say, hey, a tornado warning, Doppler indicated, or when you hear me covering severe weather in post or in a live uh, a live video saying, uh, there's likely a tornado on the ground. No, I'm not telling you there is one, but I'm telling you from what I'm seeing, uh, based on those velocity scans, there's enough rotation for there to likely be a tornado forming. Um, so I'm telling you, take cover immediately. Um, now, um, you know, you guys have asked me too, um, you know, about how many tornadoes occur um, each year. Um, so typically, you're going to see somewhere right around the 1,200, 1,200 uh, number uh, is a good number uh, for the United States. Um, now, uh, it will fluctuate uh, based on several different things. Um, you know, the conditions that's going on, how things have been going that spring season, um, you know, and, and things like that. Um, now, also get asked, too. Um, you know, how do tornadoes dissipate? Like, how do they die? You know, you hear me talk about uh, they move into a less favorable environment. You know, uh, to be a little, uh, a little more um, to the point and simple with you guys here, um, you know, the, the details on how exactly a tornado dissipates is still being um, researched and looked into. Um, but what we do understand is that, uh, tornadoes will need a source of fuel to keep going. Um, kind of like a source of instability, uh, heat, moisture, among other things, and a larger scale of rotation called vorticity. Um, now there could be a number of things that can, um, you know, take from the atmosphere, um, you know, and make it less favorable. I mean, uh, just the other day, uh, our last severe weather uh, event that we uh, that we had, or severe weather day, rather, um, you know, trends by the afternoon hours uh, had led to the Storm Prediction Center to up, you know, the tornado risk from their typical 2% to 5%. Across much of the state, including areas between I-75, I-65, and uh, even areas north of the I-64 corridor in the northern Kentucky. Well, the environment was looking really good by the afternoon to say, hey, look, some of these storms may get on their own. They may spin, known as supercell thunderstorms, uh, increasing the chances for tornadoes. Well, there was ongoing rain and storms uh, throughout most of the morning and afternoon. When you already have just general rain, like light rains, in most cases like that day, um, it kept the atmosphere stable. It kept it uh, from, you know, you need the sun heats the ground, creates that warm, moist air, that instability that's needed for thunderstorms. But um, in this case, all the cloud cover, all the rain that was already ongoing, um, you didn't get a whole lot of peaks of sunshine to come through to create that instability that was needed. And so that mitigated a lot of that severe weather threat that day. So you're really, um, you know, that was some of the factors that took away some of those ingredients that tornadoes need to form. 
Um, and, you know, some, you know, you can get a relatively, it's a cold outflow boundary, and it's the flow of wind out of a current precipitation area, shower or thunderstorm, um, you know, if that outflow becomes dominant, um, it'll kill a thunderstorm, kill the chances of developing, but then you also have um, things called an outflow boundary. You know, you need a nice combination of, um, uh, you know, you've got this some, sometimes rain-cooled air that surges out ahead of thunderstorms can actually work as a miniature cold front to help fuel more thunderstorms, whether it be later on in the day, sometimes the next day as well. Um, so there's a lot of factors that can take away, and there's a lot of factors that can give to an environment to fuel um, tornadoes. Um, you know, and I, I hear too, guys, uh, with tornadoes, uh, a lot of people say, hey, you know, um, I've seen it miss this house, miss that house, hit this house. And, and get that house as well, and by barely touch this other one. Um, you know, why does this tornado skip around? Does it really skip? And and no, no, tornadoes do not skip. Um, you know, for a tornado to remain a tornado, it must be in contact with the ground. Um, you know, and again, there is much debate in the meteorological world uh, whether or not, you know, several ground contacts with the same uh, vortex or funnel cloud, basically. Uh, meaning, is that is that a, uh, a different uh, tornado, or is that just the same one? So they're still looking into that because, and here's why. A tornado is defined really as a continuous, violent column of air that makes contact with the ground. Well, sometimes you can't see that tornado making contact with the ground. Especially if it touched down, say, uh, you know, through, on a parking lot or in a field, and it's not strong enough to really rip up grass or pull leaves off trees. It can be on the ground swirling. You just can't physically see it because it hasn't picked up any debris, dust, debris, things like that. Um, so, you know, a tornado could be on the ground. You could be looking at a funnel, but you know, as air is invisible, we can't see air. That tornado very well could be uh, basically invisible to, to the naked eye until it picks up some dust, debris, dirt, leaves, things like that. Um, so in this sense, really, uh, um, you know, with it missing this house, that house, and hitting another, it could be um, a form of a tornado fluctuating in strength and, you know, not having any debris. Um, you know, a tornado could lift briefly, um, but from what I'm understanding, you know, a lot of times what you tend to get is a tornado uh, fluctuates in intensity. So you could have got a tornado that was strong enough to damage this house and that house, but weakened briefly when passing over the other house and then strengthened just slightly enough to cause a little bit of damage at that house. Um, you know, since, and what you get a lot with nowadays with these storm chasers, they try to get out ahead of these tornadoes, deploy these probes and things like that to measure the inside of a tornado. Because if you think about it, unless one hits a National Weather Service or an airport um, or maybe a mesoscale site, or, or I'm sorry, a mesonet site, um, 
you know, you you don't have any data from it. And that's why the um, the F scale or the Fujita scale, which is now the enhanced Fujita scale, was invented. Because what they've done is, in a sense, has tested out what wind speed can cause what, how much damage. So you get EF0 to EF5. EF0 is those that are under hurricane force winds. Um, you know, and, and EF5 being the greatest catastrophic, incredible damage. Um, and, of course, EF0 being a weaker tornado that can still cause damage and still be harmful and dangerous to, to you. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of factors that uh, go into determining the damage. Um, and that's why we do surveys. We survey this stuff and uh, take a look. Um, you know, and, and here here's a huge question. I've been asked personally this. And I love answering this one because, um, and it's the same thing when it comes to a hurricane. Um, you know, can, can we destroy a tornado? Can we, um, you know, what can we do? Can we theoretically drop a nuclear bomb? Can we, uh, what about a hydrogen bomb? Typically, with things like that, tornadoes and hurricanes alike, they... Um, you got to have some a heat source, basically. Uh, heat creates the instability for tornadoes to form, right? So, and heat out in the ocean, uh, typically, say, the Gulf of Mexico, you get w- extremely warm water temperatures in the 80s uh, very easily uh, in the summer, consistently, all the time. So, um, you know, you hurricanes, especially they need that heat source to to um to get stronger and to be um to maintain a hurricane status that's why when you see them come on land they die um they weaken incredibly quick um they pick up land speed where they move faster um just and things like that and so you know what does a nuclear bomb do um you know when you think about it you know when a bomb hits, you know, that is, um, intense heat, um, and dropping a nuclear bomb into a hurricane would not kill a hurricane. It would, it it would make the problem worse. It would actually strengthen a hurricane and you would have some sort of a mega hurricane that would be destructive beyond imaginable because the worst of hurricanes, a Category 5, already destroys homes, businesses. I mean, the, the strongest structure to bit of buildings, um, they get some form of damage from, an e, from a Category 5 hurricane. Same thing with an EF5 tornado. Um, you know, we're talking winds 300 plus already. Um, you know, in a lot of these, um, you know, the, well, the El Reno, uh, Oklahoma 1999 tornado had uh, 318 mile per hour winds. Could you imagine trying to stop that with a nuclear bomb? Um, you know, you're giving it more instability. You're giving it more heat. Um, it, it would be beyond disastrous proportions. Um, I mean, a tornado that strong, um, you know, in, in a perfect environment can go for hours. 
Um, we saw that happen back in December um, in western Kentucky, actually. Um, that supercell tornado formed in um, eastern Arkansas, tracked through western Tennessee, western Kentucky, till it finally dissipated somewhere right around north central, uh, central, north central parts of Kentucky. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, and, I, and I don't have the exact mileage or the length of that right off, but that is hundreds of miles, guys. And it produced tornado warnings, most if not the full length of that. And those were confirmed. Tornado on the ground, large, deadly tornado, and I believe that might have been an EF-4. Um, so, I mean, if you dropped a nuclear bomb on an EF-5 tornado, I mean, uh, there's no telling how long that thing could be on the ground. But right now... You know, when conditions are favorable and they're ripe, and you hear, just like the one I was just talking about, that Western Kentucky tornado that stayed on the ground for hours and traveled hundreds of miles, it's just absolutely astonishing. Um, you know, I mean, I can't just sit here and, and just fathom how that is. You know, someone who has chased tornadoes uh, chase storms uh, myself for years and you know the raw power is amazing um, I would not want anything to do with a nuclear powered EF5 tornado um, absolutely not um, but guys uh, I wanted to you know use this podcast this episode a little bit today to really answer some of those frequently asked questions about tornadoes um, if you find this at all helpful, please let me know. Um, you know, feedback is much appreciated. Um, please, I always encourage you to ask questions, ask away. Um, as most of you guys know who have followed me for years and years and years, probably 10 plus years at this point, guys, um, you know, you know at this point I am a full-time husband, a full-time father of four, and, um, you know, I work full time too outside of, you know, doing this. Um, you know, I may not get the chance to answer your questions right away, but, you know, I will do my best to get back to you. This is, you know, uh, a one man band uh, of sorts. Um, so we, uh, I'm excited for some of the things I have planned. We're going to have a fully functional website. Uh, I'm going to show some computer models, um, things like that. And possibly, you know, a subscription service to where, you know, um, we can uh, get further in depth, uh, raise some money, update some equipment, um, you know, to stay on top of the game. Um, you know, this is going to be huge, you know, and eventually and down the road, I would love to be able to um, be doing well enough with this idea to where I can do this full time. Um, you know, this is my true passion. I love doing this. And, um, and I absolutely love that, uh, you guys trust me to come into your homes, um, for years. And I mean, it, it's amazing. It, it's wonderful. Um, you know, I don't try to replace the National Weather Service or, uh, or anything like that. Um, I've just found being able to interact with you guys through social media has just raised, you know, weather awareness um, tenfold. And I want to continue to do this, um, you know, for years to come. And, and, and I just, 
hope that I am blessed enough to have you guys stick around. Um, you know, the, the weather updates that you guys provide to me with damage and um, pictures and, and things like that, it, it is useful beyond being able to describe, guys. Um, you guys have been wonderful, and, and that's the thing. Together, we are making a change in our community and, and saving lives, and, and I know without a doubt that we've been able to do that, um, not only because of what I do, but because of what you guys do. So thank you for that, guys. Um, I do want to end on a note by telling you um, if you have any ideas, any suggestions, things you want to see on this new website, um, or maybe some things you want me to cover here on the podcast or, or, or anything in general, anything that's going to be great for you guys, um, just let me know. Let me know, and I would be more than happy to incorporate some things, um, anything to serve you guys better. Um, I'm all about it. I'm all for it. Um, and, and eventually, you know, you know, I, I want to do so many different things that it's going to take a lot of time. Um, so I hope you guys are willing to have some patience with me. Um, this is, this is for something, you know, to do in my free time. It, it is hard, but it's so much fun. Um, and it's so much fun, you know, serving you guys and giving back, uh, to the communities. Um, guys, thank you for listening in today. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. Um, take it easy and enjoy the, um, the quiet weather the next few days. Um, you guys have a good one and take care.